Bokertov, Chodeshtov. Yes, we're going to the Haftarah. And the Parashiot this week. Parashiot. <laughs> Tazriah and Mitzorah. <laughs> what is Tazriah about? Tazriah is about the types yeah. of Tzara'at. Yeah. And Mitzorah is about healing of the, or the process of healing the Tzara'at. This is a continuation of the keeping Kadosh. Yeah, and, it, and it's a continuation of the, the topics of Kiddushah, which we discussed yesterday. Now, before you listen to this recording, I highly recommend you listen to yesterday's class. Um, yesterday's class was an essential... It was a very short class. It was, you, if you listen to the last 30 minutes of yesterday's class, I think it would, it would, be, uh, it would, do, it would do justice. But this is a continuation of the process of, of Kiddushah, of, of learning the Kiddushah. Now, what's interesting, and, and we're, we're, going to go to the, we're, we're going to go to the Haftarah in a second, but if you look, uh, we know that Tazriyah and Mitzorah are all part of this tangent of the, of the Tum'ah, Tahara, of, of non-kosher and kosher. We know that it's part of that tangent, because if you look at the next parasha, it's Perak Tetzayin, Pasuk Aleph, by the Be'er Adonai and Moshe, Yes, Again. Which means we're going back to that story. Yes. <laughs> so if in next week's parasha we're continuing where we left off in parasha Shemini, that means that all the content of Tazriyah and Mitzorah are part of the tangent which began at the end of parasha Shemini. Yes. Now. Oh, here are the class. Oh. Okay. Now of the Haftarah. Okay, the, this week we're going to be reading Haftarah of Mitzorah. Mm-hmm. Because whenever you have two parashat, sure. you read the second Haftarah. We find ourselves in, in this week's Haftarah in the book of Melachim Bet, in the seventh chapter. Both, both of them, Haftarot and Melachim Bet. Yes, both of, the, uh, both of the Haftarot are Melachim Bet, and both of them are with the Navi Elisha. So Elisha was the student of Eliyahu and Navi. And these, these two Navim, Eliyahu and Navi and Elisha, had the difficult task of dealing with the kings of the north. And most of the kings of the north, of the northern kingdom, were evil, and uh, and yeah, and, and things weren't very good. There was a lot. Of, it was a very rocky situation. The first haftarah of Pasha Tazriyah is about actually in, in uh, an opposing army uh, who had laid siege. The army of Aram of Syria, we'll call it, who laid siege to Israel and caused Israel to not have any uh, money or any food actually, food. to the extent that people were. Either why, why, about why, to why, eat why, their why, children, why, why, or, why, why. or in the case of the haftarah of Tazriyah, there were two mitzoraim, two lepers, who were on the outside of the camp because that's where lepers had to wait, and they decided, they decided that the the there's no food anyways, so we're going to die. So they said, let's just go to the Assyri- to the Syrians to the siege. If they kill us, fine, we're dying anyways. Maybe they'll have Rahmanut on us and make us slaves or something and then give us something to eat. So uh, the story of, of Tazriyah's Haftarah is that they go and they see the Syrians have left. Yeah, there's nobody. There's nobody and there. There's food. And there's food, a lot of food. And there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of silver and gold yes, and everything also. <laughs> so then they're like, wow, this is amazing. So they go and they take the food. And then this was all... And they come and call everybody here. They couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And this was all a... Uh, here, this was all promised. This was all already in Nivuah from Elisha, for, that he uh, that he had he had um, 
he had foretold that this was actually going to occur, that they were going to have food. And then basically what had happened is that, I think who was the king at this time? Um, Sorry, sorry. I'm talking about the Haftarah from Mitzorah, okay? Yes. Um, all of my descriptions so far are the Haftarah of Mitzorah. So let's... Yes. Let's, hey, Rabbi. Um, so let's do the Haftarah of Mitzorah, and then I'll go a Rabbi, little bit into, this class, right? into this. Rabbi, you need this Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We're, 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 we'll now we can go back to the... To the oh, yeah, we have to switch. <laughs> yes. Good <laughs> spot. Sorry. So we have Haftarah of Mitzorah over here. Uh, we are finally in our in our... Resting in our location, like the Mishkan, you know, we 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 unbuilt the Mishkan and rebuilt the Mishkan. So, anyways, I was talking about the Aftarab Mitzorah, and basically the story is that we were in the times of, well, I think it's the king Yehoram, uh, yes. one of the one of the northern kings who's a problematic king, and there's they're in the middle of a siege, and then basically the the backstory here is that uh, Elisha goes to the king, and. He says to the king, there will be salvation. You're going to have food, and the food's going to be cheap. Yeah, how is it going to be cheap? We're in the middle of a siege. There's no food you're at all. Everything's too expensive. Gonna... <laughs> They're on the verge of women eating their children. And that, this is the backstory. That's, that, that's the backstory of this Haftarah. So then the Haftarah begins with four men who are lepers who are on the outside of the camp. And through the eyes of these four men, it's, it's actually very interesting the way the story is told. Because it's, <coughs> it's, it's, almost, like, it's almost like out of a movie scene. You know, uh, so uh, let's read it. I, I, the, the story is told in a beautiful way. Perak Zayin Pasuk Gimel. There were four men who were lepers at the entrance of the the, the gate. Tent, gate of the city, meaning they were waiting outside the city. And they said to one another, "What are we sitting here until we die?" Pasuk four. If we say, let's go into the city, because they were, they were Mitzrayim, they were lepers, so nobody wanted them in the city. Okay? Well, he said, if we go into the city, we're going to die in the city anyways. Why? Because there's no food. And if we dwell here, we're also going to die, because on the outside of the city, there's also no food. He said, now let's go. Let's just go to the, to the camp, the military camp of the Syrians that, that are laying siege to us. If they kill us, they keep, anyway we're gonna anyways die. we're going to die. Yeah. And if they, they keep us alive, totally gave up. if they give, keep us alive, we're good. Okay. And they rose in the, in the evening and late in the day. To come to the camp of Aram. And they come to the edge of the camp of Aram and nobody's there. This is it's desolate, okay? <laughs> Pasuk 6. Everybody ran away. And, and in the meantime, it, these four lepers are the first people to find this out. Yes. Okay? <laughs> so all of Israel, they're crying. They're, they're uh, you know, on the verge of... Uh, and they cannot, go back, they cannot go back to the camp. They're on the verge of dying. No, well, well, we'll see. They're on the verge of dying, okay? And then these guys, they go and they see there's really no siege going on. You know, so Nothing. It could have been, like, this could have been the situation for days, you know, and Bnei Israel are just waiting there. They had no idea. They had no idea, idea. okay. So, Pasuk 6, Hishmia and Machane Aram. So, so, how did this happen? What happened that there was no military there anymore? So, now it, t- it tells us what happened. God had made a noise in the camp of Aram, Kol Rechev Kol Sus, that they, they heard the voice of chariots and the voice of horses. Kol Chayil Gadol, the voice of a lot of military, of a huge military. Vayamru Yishel Achif. 
And each person in the camp of Aram, of the Syrians, they said to themselves, He hired the kings of the, the king of Chitim and the kings of Mitzrayim to come upon us. And basically, if Aram is situated in northern Israel, yes. then the Chitim would have been north of them and Mitzrayim would have been south of them. So they felt surrounded. So they felt surrounded. That's what they uh, thought. Boreolam put it in their mind. You know, if you want to um, be like a... Think of how, how this miracle could occur scientifically. I was reading in the bottom here. It's actually very interesting. Apparently... Here, let me just read it for you. Um, Sounds like the Six-Day War. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the, you know, you, when sometimes from the... From the in the... Uh, when you have... Thunder, whichever it feels like rumbling, it feels like uh, you know. What's it, what's, who's to say that you can't make a sound like that? Right. So here, he, look at the note over here in the Hertz Chumash. I think I think it makes a, it's a very interesting idea. Thinking that the mighty hosts were advancing against them, it was the result of one of those sudden, unaccountable panics mm. to which huge, unwieldy, heterog- heterogeneous Eastern armies, which have no organized system of sentries and no trained discipline, are constantly liable. Apparently, when you take a big army, a very big army, think about this. Easy to put a scare into this. Exactly. If you take a very big army in which the people are all hired from different places and speak different languages, Mm. and they're not organized, and you start panic, even if it's completely... Everybody gets panicked. Exactly. You could turn the whole army into panic, and then everybody will flee from nothing. Mm. It's interesting. All it takes is one section of the army... Somebody gets hears scared. something gets and then scared. they panic. Yeah. Right. So Borel Alam yeah. created a panic and the Syrians all of a sudden all ran away. Okay. Now, by if they went in the, in, in the night, they had run away. They left their tents and their horses and their donkeys. And they had left the camp as it was and they ran for their lives, these people. Then these lepers, they came to the edge of the camp. They came to one of the tents and they ate and they drank. So they made merry. It was, there was, they had a very good time. And they took from there silver and gold and clothes. And they went and they hid it. Then they returned. And they went to another tent. You know, they're having like the yeah. time of their lives, you know. <laughs> and they took gold from there and they also hid that. <laughs> but then they think to themselves like, hold on a second. Hey, everybody, everybody in the, in the... Yeah, they say to their, themselves, we're not doing the right thing right now. Right now is a day of good tidings that we should be bringing to them Israel. And if we wait, if we keep quiet and wait until the morning, then it's going to be like sinful for us. Because they already said it was turning, it was towards the evening already. So they had the choice. Either let's go in the morning and tell B'nai Israel, and whoever is going to die overnight is on their heads basically. Or we can go and tell them immediately so that people actually have food. So he said, if we wait until the morning, it's going to be sin for us. Okay? So he said, now let us go and we will approach and we will tell the king exactly what we have found. They went and they called to the, 
the guardian okay, of the city gate. Why are they calling to the guardian of the city gate? They can't go in because they're lepers. And they told them, And we came to the king to the to their camp, and there's no man there, and there's no voice of anybody. Rather, they're just horses that are tied. And their donkeys are tied. And their tents are just as they, as they, as they left them. The city, the guardians went, the, the gatekeepers went. And they told to the people in the house of the king on the inside. And the king gets up at night. No, I'll tell you what they're doing to us. I'll tell you what Aram has in mind for us. They know that we are hungry and we're starving. And they went into the fields to hide and now they're going to ambush us. And that whenever the Jews leave the city, we will catch them alive and then we'll go into the city. Now, is this true or is this not true? Not true. It's not true because we know already that what Borei Olam did, he caused panic and the yes. panic caused everybody to run away. Yes. But this is what the king is scared of. Okay, so Pasuk 13, So one of his servants said, well, if... That may be the case, but what do we have to lose? You know, we might as well this check point, at this same, point. Same thing, same thing. Like, not yet. Yeah. Yeah. But one of his servants say, Let us take five horses that are left. And basically they say something like, these horses will have the same fate as the rest of Am Israel, anyways. You know, if we send these five horses to check... They're going to die as the rest of Am Israel is going to die. So we might as well go check. Let us go and check. So they took two chariots of horses. And he sent them after to go check on the camp of the Syrians. He says, go and see. And they followed the path of the Syrian escape. From the camp, they went all the way towards the Yarden, which means if the Syrians would have come in, they would have crossed the Jordan. So these horses, they went all the way to the Jordan to see, like, you know, and people had dropped things along the whole way. Yeah, you know, the whole they were way. They were running. They're running, and as they're running, they were, they were shedding material. Okay? And all of the way, they found clothes. And vessels that the Aram people were dropping as they had run in their haste. And these messengers came back and they told the king, No, 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 it's really empty. There's nobody there. And the people went out and they plundered the camp of Aram. And one se'ah of flour came out to be one shekel, which is very cheap. We saw time that just telling you that there was an abundance of There was an abundance, exactly. And a two se'ah. Of seor of barley, what came out also to one shekel because wheat is more expensive than barley. So it would be, it would be uh, two se'ah of barley came out to the price of one se'ah of wheat, and both of it was either a shekel or two shekel. It was very cheap. Kidvar uh, Adonai, as God had promised, as I said before, the backstory here is that Elisha had gone to the king and told him, and told him already in advance, in advance that that the prices are going to come down, and you will see. Now, whenever Elisha had said that. The, the, um, the secretary to the king, who was there, who was the man who was like his advisor, 
had told Elisha, what are you talking about? This is impossible. Making, making, making fun, making, he said, yeah. he had said, the chances of, of God bringing us food cheap now in the middle of this siege yes. are the same as God opening up the windows of the sky all of a sudden and causing it to rain. Okay. So, so in the king, hearing that things have, hearing that there is something going on, he sends this, this uh, secretary of his, who was the man who was leaning on his arm, which just means the man who was his advisor. He sends him to the gate, but when the people are coming in with all their food excitedly, they trample upon him and the man dies. For that's what Elisha had said, and, and whenever he did not. Um, he didn't trust in it. Yeah, exactly. What, that he had said when the king had approached him. And what had happened? What's the backstory here? When Elisha had spoken to the king, saying, that two se'av of, of uh, barley is going to be one shekel, and one se'ah. Of flour will be one shekel. Yekaet machar b'shar shomeron will be, and that will be that will happen tomorrow. This man, Vayana Shalish, this man, this advisor, it, he answered Elisha and he said, The same way, the chances of God making the windows in the heaven, you think this is actually going to happen? So then Elisha said, He said, Behold, you will see this deliverance with your own eyes but you're not going to partake in it. So that's why when the king had sent the, the advisor, he sent him to the gate and the advisor got trampled by the people. And it was so, and the people trampled him at the gate and he died. So what is the relationship between this Haftarah uh, and our parasha? It's really not the, it's not the most glorious of connections. It's just that the featured people that the four people who had found out about this deliverance were Mitzoraim. Now the previous Haftarah is also about Mitzorah. Yes. And yes. let's just quickly summarize. Yes. Uh, basically, it's, it's two, pra- two, pra- two chapters before, two prakim before, this story that we are talking about. Uh, and uh, to be honest, I think it's a fascinating story that I think, I think, Daniel, I think you would enjoy a lot. I highly recommend you read it uh, to see. So the story basically is that the, the kingdom of Aram, this kingdom of Syria, they are, uh, they are near uh, the, the king, whatever. They're, they're, they're causing a lot of issues. And the king had a, a general named Naaman. Okay? And this Naaman had Nanju, who's a, who's a general from Aram. This Naaman guy, he had Tzara'at. Yes. So then they had gone into the Jewish camp and they conquered a girl. And this, she became the maidservant, a slave for this general yes. Naaman. Yes. Okay, then, then he has Sarat, and the girl says, "You know, there is a navi. There is a navi Israel. in the land of Israel who can who can heal you of your Sarat. You we should go. You should, you, uh, yeah, we probably did, but it's it's been. I think we're a full cycle of Haftarot yeah. already. <laughs> so today's Haftarot, I remember learning. It. Yeah, it's okay. So so oh, it's uh, nice. It's a, we come full circle. Yeah. So, so then she goes and she says, look, we can, you can go to the Navi and he will help you with your tzara'at. And then so he goes, he goes and he goes, to, first he goes to the king of Israel and the king says, what are you talking about? How, how, he says, are you coming to me? what are you coming? He's like, how am I going to heal this guy? 
What am I? Am I God that I can heal this guy all of a sudden? So then, so then he tears his clothes, thinking that, thinking that the general is now going to attack him. But then Elisha hears about this and he says, "No, no, send him to me." Send him to me. So then he sends him to me. He says, "Go, go dip in the waters of the Yarden." And then the guy, and then the guy tells him, and the guy tells him, "No, no." And the man says, "What?" I thought he was going to come yeah. and pray he's going to, to pray to God and raise his hands and do a ketoret and things like that. And instead, he tells me to go bathe in the waters of the Yarden. The waters of Syria yeah, are much <laughs> cleaner and better than the waters of the Yarden. Why would I go bathe in the Yarden? So then he's about getting angry. He's getting angry at Elisha. And then the servants say, look, if Elisha would have told you something like, you know, very hard to do, if you would have told you to do some crazy mystical yeah. thing, you would have done it. Now he's asking you to do something easy to go just bathe in the Yarden. You're getting angry. Just do it. What, is it. what does it cost you? So he does it, and then his skin comes clean like a, like like a, a baby, young, like, yeah, a, like baby. a young baby's thin. And he goes, and he's come very, very, very thankful to Elisha. He says, go, "I want to go into, I want to go into the Yarden yeah. too." <laughs> and then he says to Elisha, "How can I pay you?" And then Elisha says, "No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to accept anything." Um, and then. Uh, Oh, and then it ends off, Elisha doesn't take his gift, but then he says, I want to start serving Hashem. So Naaman says, I want to start serving Hashem. I want to start being a servant of God. And then Elisha tells him, and then, and then he says, please give me some dirt from the land of Israel so I can go back home and make an altar with the dirt of Israel and I will serve God there. So and that's what he does. He takes, and then he says, by the way, Elisha, one, one final point, I'm going to be serving Hashem from now on. But when my king, he serves a god named, named Bet Rimon. Mm-hmm. So when he goes there, sometimes I have to accompany him, you know. So is it, please, please forgive me for, for accompanying my king to the other god because I have to sometimes. So then Naaman basically converts to Judaism or to serving God. He takes the dirt with him and he goes on his way. So it's an interesting story because there are two points where you see Naaman. You see his paganness. One is whenever he tells, he says, I thought Elisha was going to give me some crazy incantation and things like that. And then the other is whenever he takes the dirt of Eretz Israel, Because yeah, in his mindset, you can only serve Hashem if you're in the land of Israel. As if God isn't the king of the yeah, whole the universe. Because he doesn't, they don't shows, think like that. Shows, it shows you, you see very nicely the, the mentality of the pagan in the story. So it's, it's a nice story to read closely. Amen. 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 Amen.